sitting comfortably because we both certainly are are you sitting comfortably sam well supplied i hope with a frosty beverage i'm here drinking a mahood mare's milk uh drink (laughs) this at any party for some serious impact (laughs) oh that's good that's good uh sounds gross but hilarious what about you ben do you have a drink in hand to discuss all things Lord of the Rings and or strategy and or battle game? I do indeed. I'm sitting here with a Galadrim gold ale, a beer as golden as the golden wood itself, and I'm drinking it uh, to commemorate the good army that I will not be taking to this event. Which <laughs> segues me nicely into... The next bit, which is where I apologize to you, dear listener, because a few episodes ago, Sam and I attended a an event that was a good versus evil tournament, and I promised that next time we went, we'd be bringing some good armies to spice things up, and it just hasn't happened. Big, big promises were made, not followed through on them. For that, I can only apologize. It's but okay. without further ado, Sam, do you want to tell us about the event? So yes, we will be attending an event in Durham, North Carolina, called an unexpected tournament and we've been preparing for this for this event for a few months now so not that unexpected to us but this is an 800 point event it is a good versus evil format very similar to the bilbo's birthday bash event we attended so you have the option of bringing two army lists but you can if you want only bring one which as ben mentioned is in fact what we are both doing again yeah, cool. So you mentioned we've been preparing for this. You've been hobbying like a crazy man. It's been a, a pretty cool journey for me too, though, because I get up relatively early in the morning for work. You know, my alarm goes off at just before six. I make my coffee. I go back to sleep and wake up when the coffee's done. And, and then I check my phone and I'll have this message from Sam and it will have been sent at like 1.30 or, you know, 2.30 a.m. The, the following morning or that morning. And I'll have a picture of something cool that's been painted. There'll be a, a batch of goblin mercenaries, or some more urukai, or uh, you know, some 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 pictures of some, some conversions coming along. And it's been really cool to like wake up and have like Lord of the Rings be the first thing. Cool Lord <laughs> of the Rings toys that I'm gonna get to play with be the first thing on my phone. So it's been a, a really cool couple of weeks for me. Is there anything specific you want to tell talk about? For the the hobbyathon that you've been working on, Sam. You know, any cool conversions on the table? Yeah, I guess uh, I guess it's it has been, as you said, a bit of a hobbyathon. I think I've mostly I was we as I said, we've been preparing for this event for a while now. So as as I mentioned in previous podcasts, it's been a lot of painting Urukai, but from the last tournament to this one, I think I've painted. 12 Urukai swordsmen, like sword and shield, eight pikes, five scouts, a couple characters. Uh, I've still got plenty to do, but I'm currently working on converting Lurts because I don't really like any of the three 
models available for him. You know, Lurch shooting a bow. I, I want my big fighty hero to be hitting people with a sword. Lurch standing with his shield in the air is just kind of a goofy pose. And I think he's kind of little, you know? He's a pretty... Yeah, it's a very two-dimensional model, that one, too, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. But, so, yeah, yeah I've been right. working... He, he is small. He's supposed to be huge. Yeah. Or, you know, even... I mean, the, the Urukai warriors are pretty small, as I think... I can't remember if we mentioned this in the previous one, but I had considered chopping them all up and making them all, like, you know, a little bit bigger. They look nice and tall if you put them next to Numenorians. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But probably not the metal Numenorians, the ones with spears that you can't get anymore. They were probably pretty pretty similar. Anyway, yeah. but so I've been I've been doing that, and then recently it's just been all about adding stuff to your army, which I won't go into detail because I don't want to spoil what you're playing. I think in the past like two or three weeks, I've I've painted close to twenty something models, so it's been a a grind, as they say. But you you've been converting Lutz. I just just finished that story. What um what did you do to him? Which pose did you start with? Uh, well, I started with the only one. Apparently, we only own one Lutz model, which is crazy because we had the like battle games in Middle Earth magazines as kids, which all you know what? came with the came with the blisters of random models and i'm sure one had lurts in there and we've you know there's no there's i, I was shocked that we only apparently had one lurts which is came from the ambush at arm and hen set that i bought from somebody like very recently so uh i started with lurts with a bow and cut him all up and now he's he's uh, got a sweet shield in the air and he's holding a sword and he's just uh I found like images of a statue. I think it's one of the Weta Workshop ones, and was like, "Oh, this is a way cooler pose," and tried to copy that because sculpt resculpting legs and arms and stuff is much easier when you have something to copy. Uh, I would never have thought of that. His thigh like does look really good. That thigh muscle you got in there. That you yeah. Sculpted the leg. Huh. Working off a wetter image. So that's uh, that's kind of that's kind of what I've been what I've been doing there, hobby related, and you know, hopefully, I'll have some pictures of at least the conversion up on my Instagram over the next, probably by the time this comes out. So if you want to check that out, it's brush underscore ido for brushido. So go ahead and check check on that sweet. Thick-thighed Lurtz model I've been making. Yeah, the way of the brush. Right. Cool. And we'll definitely get some pictures of the event com uh, coming up and the armies we're taking on our Instagram as well. Excellent, excellent. Well, we kind of did this a little bit out of order, I think. Not that we often do hobby check-ins, just because uh, it's it's for a long time. It's just been Sam's been painting more Urukai. But I think well, we need to do a little bit of a, a, a Gallagher's and Lord of the Rings segment, so we can oh yeah we can jump around. Get to know your hosts. Yeah, geez, Ben hosts one time, and everything's out of order. <laughs> Getting all carried away. So Sam, having remembered that we do that section next, do you want to take it away with a first Lord of the Rings question? All right, Ben. My question for you this episode is. If you could include one thing in either the Lord of the Rings or the Hobbit movies that is in the book but not in the movies, what would that be? <coughs> Tom Bombadil. 
No, I don't think it would be Tom Bombadil. Although you know, that's fair. Yeah, it, it would. It would. It would be. It would be funny if Lord of the Rings was a TV show. Bombadil could be in there. All um, right, hundred percent. I want Aragorn to have his broken sword. Mm. Have, he's carried carrying the shards of Narsil with him when he first meets the hobbits in Bree. I want to see him fighting Ringwraiths with the shards of Narsil on Weathertop. Yeah, I just think Aragorn. You want him there? I want him to have. I want him to have the sword. Instead, Boromir is the first one we see to pick it up. In, uh, yes. And, he drop, and then he drops it. Well, Boromir's got the dropsies. Yeah, that's that's fair. So he, you want him to be carrying it and then have it reforged at the appropriate time, or drops it off at Rivendell and then we get, you know, he's like, sweet, now no. I have a regular sword. No, he's he should have it with him the whole time. It gets reforged when the Fellowship sets out. I agree. I agree. Yeah, I mean, there's just no, there's no reason to like sit and wait. Yeah, we're never given a reason why Elrond's just sitting there with the ability to fix this sword, but you know, but hasn't. Instead, the Dunedain is this treasured heirloom. It's been with the family for for generations. I think he offers. I think he offers yeah. in the Fellowship movie, right? He's like, we can fix it, and Elrond's like, eh. Oh, does he? I think so. Time, time to watch those again. Right. All right. Solid answer. Not the answer that I would have given, but I'll accept it. No, I had, I had had some other ones, but that was that was my first first gut response. Very good. Plus, then we get some cool Aragorn broken sword models for the Fellowship. Yeah, I think I think that's probably why it wasn't included, right? I think he could have had it and been like, "Oh, look, see, I have this broken sword, but also I have a real sword because you can't, you know, it would just look weird if you fought ring raids with a broken sword." Well, but like, if it's a broken hand and a half sword, right? Like, a, it's a bastard sword. It's it's fairly long. If it's broken a third of the way up, now it's a short sword. It's reasonable. Yeah, I I think it would still be it would be a hard thing to write in and not you know I don't know. Yeah, I could I could see it being I I can see why it was not included. I now I don't see why they didn't reforge it at Rivendell when he left, but whatever. Yeah, yeah. Maybe the props department didn't have it finished. <laughs> it's hard to finish a broken sword. You got to finish the sword and then break it. Right. Yeah. So that's that's my response. So, Sam, hypothetical scenario: you're in a room with whoever at Games Workshop is in charge of releasing miniatures, and you get to convince them to change one Lord of the Rings box set, redo it, revamp it, re-release it, new details, new poses. It can be a hero in a box, it could be a whole unit in a box, just one one box set gets to be revamped and re-released. Hmm. That is an excellent question. I've actually I've had I'll, I'll I've had this idea for a while now and I'm pretty sure it's genius. And it would it would cover a lot of issues. So So much I'll, I'll talk about I'll I'll tell you what my idea is and then I will tell you what box I would choose because this idea could be for every army, which is why it's so brilliant. I think Games Workshop should release a cavalry box where you have, let's say, three knights of Minas Tirith and their dismounts. And that way, you know, you get you get awesomely re-sculpted knights and warriors on foot. And then that way, if you're a crazy person like I am, and you get six models per box, so it's not like a horrendous deal, right? And if you're crazy like I am... 
you just say, wow, these on-foot warriors of Minas Tirith are a thousand times better than the old ones. I will just buy a whole bunch of these cavalry boxes. And that way you also, you sort of like build two armies at once. Or maybe, so that's that's my, and you could do that with Warriors of Rohan. You could do that with, I mean, in like Riders of Rohan, you need you need both the dismounts and if you're doing the all cavalry army, you know. So you could do Rohan, you could do Minas Tirith, you could do Warg Riders. There are just, you could do Haradrim. There are like, if they just, they could basically do these six boxes and it would cover like all of the armies and it would be awesome. And say so that being said, I realize that's a, a big ask and there's a lot of re-sculpting and repackaging. So if I could only, if they were like, I like your idea, Sam, but we're not going to do that. Choose one of the boxes we already have. We're not changing its contents. We'll just re-sculpt the models. I think I, I just want basic orcs to be redone. There are other ones that probably need it a little bit more, like elves or Numenorians. But I like playing evil. I like orcs. And the orc characters that Forge World have put out have been so amazing that you put them next to the regular orcs and it's, you know. Anyway, so yeah, just just basic orcs, I think. It's, it's the uh, the epitome of Lord of the Rings in my mind. Basic orcs as the simple answer and the cavalry box set as the complicated one. Well, let's know. I have asked Ben many questions and Ben has asked me many questions as well. And we would like to hear some of your questions so if you have a Lord of the Rings related question that you would like Ben or I or both of us to answer, you should go ahead and send that to us either at our email, which is gondorcallsforale at gmail.com or send us a sweet message on Instagram, which is gondor underscore calls underscore for underscore ale. Yeah, sounds great. Save us the bother of thinking up new questions. Right. And we want to see, we want a glimpse into your your mind and Lord of the Rings. So Sam, as you said earlier, we're going down to North Carolina, Durham, eight hundred point event, five games over two days, good versus evil, maybe. What do you bring into this event? Is it perhaps an army worthy of Mordor, perhaps led by the White Wizard? Is it Isengard? As, as we said earlier, I'll be bringing only an evil army, and that evil army will, in fact, be Isengard. Um, so I will quickly run through what I'm taking, which is very similar to Bilbo's Birthday Bash, with one pretty big change, which you can perhaps guess what that is. So, 800 points of Isengard. Warband number one is Saruman the White on horse, accompanied by Grima Wormtongue on horse, a single Crabine, one Urukai with banner and shield, seven Urukai warriors with shield, three Urukai warriors with pikes, two Urukai warriors with crossbows. That is Saruman's warband. Warband number two, here it is, the big change. It's Lurtz with a shield, three Urukai warriors with pike, six Urukai warriors with shield, two Urukai warriors with crossbow. Warband three is Mahur with five Urukai Scout with the Marauder upgrade and shield. And Warband number four is Farashku with two Urukai Warriors with crossbows. That is an army of exactly 800 points. 37 models, so it breaks at 18.5, so you need to kill 19 models. It doesn't start taking tests until there are only 12 models remaining because of Isengard, and it shatters at 9. Wow. 
Wow. Can you give me a breakdown of like how many sword and board to how many pike to how many crossbow uruks are in there? I sure can. It is six urukai with crossbows this time, not eight. Also, six okay. six warriors with crossbows and Vrashku, so seven seven crossbows. Lurtz also have a, has the bow, right? So it's a total of oh, eight, eight shots, nine shots a turn, eight warriors with bows. And then it is 13 Urukai with sword and shield and six Urukai with pikes. Wow, only six with pikes. Is that less than last time or more? It's the exact same number. Oh, I didn't realize it was only down to six. Wow. Sounds yeah. like quite the list. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a trade-off of the, the pike supports are great, but I tend to use them just as spear with the occasional option of throwing one into you, you, of throwing a pike support onto an additional one if I really want to try and win a fight. I think I could probably swap out one Urukai warrior with sword and shield for an additional pike because there were a couple times when I had a guy like stuck and Keith wasn't mm -hmm. contributing. But I decided that because I've I lost model oh like I lost model count in adding Lurts over Uglut that I wanted to keep the higher defense. So I just, you know, I said, eh, we'll, we'll give it a go. Nice. A higher ratio of defense six. That's good. That's yeah. good. Why Lurtz over Ugluk? Well, um, I think the main, the main, they're, they're very similar, right? But I think the big things is it's nice to have a defense six hero. And I, the, the hero that I always enjoy rolling the most is Maher because of his three attacks the fight five strength five with three attacks is so awesome and none of the other heroes have that except for Lurtz I also thought that the potential for the like find find the halflings rule is pretty neat um, and just to try something try something different and I've just awesome. I guess it's I've just been underwhelmed by Ugluk in most in most situations what does Find the Halflings do, sorry? It lets him choose when and where he shows up for Maelstrom missions. Him oh, and his whole right. warband. The, the Lurtz rule, the fantastic one. I got you. Yeah, because yeah, you got to go, Find the Halflings! Cool, awesome. So you've added another beefy, a beefy uh, character to your army. You've dropped some bows, gone down in model counts. Is there a scenario and or army matchup that you're like, that you really want to see on the table that when you see it you're like yes this is this is going to be me well i don't know about scenario i think i think i think it's a i think there are scenario there's a scenario i really don't want to see which is lords of battle right i don't want to have to do kill count with saruman but all the other mm. scenarios excepting the scenarios i just don't enjoy playing i feel pretty pretty like the army is is pretty set up to do it i, I of course i want to play Rohan because I have Grimer and they have Theoden and it just it just really upsets them because both Grimer's rule is awesome and then Theoden written in his rules makes him terrible against them so you know always always want to play that I mean it would be nice it would be nice to play some armies where I guess it's it would be nice to play an army that is is not all fight five and I feel like there's a lot of that, or even fight four across the board, you know, it there's a, and there's a lot more of those, I think, than there once was. So it's just, it feels like the cost of Urukai 
it's a little less worth it than it perhaps once was. Hmm. Because that's... Be able to make the most of that fight for. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, right? Is you play Isengard and you have... We'll see how Lurtz does. Maybe he's that big hitting hero. But your other big hero is Saruman, who's phenomenal, but just doesn't, you know, isn't like, I'm going to clean up all these. I'm going to go in with my higher fight and I can at least take down all these high fight infantry. So you really, like, rely on the, the, the basic Urukai warrior to do work. And it's just so satisfying to be like, I rolled a six, I win. So. Yeah. I hate that. My fight three orcs. Like yeah. sometimes I don't even get to throw my dice my opponent rolls theirs more quickly than I do they get the 6 and I'm like well I guess I'm not rolling dice well, that's when you <laughs> say well I'm going to roll anyway yeah see how I would do see how I do okay so you'd love to see some Rohan you'd love to see some low fight armies is there any particular matchup that you're like oh god please no not that I don't want to face oh well obviously, obviously Angmar just because I absolutely hate playing them I think I think it's more there are specific models, right? Like if I'm playing against Angmar, let's say in this example, uh, if they don't have the Witch King, I'm more fine with that. But the Witch King can shatter Saruman's staff, and that would really suck. So in that vein, I also don't I don't really want to play against Gandalf the White because he can also do your staff is broken. And What's the range on your staff is broken? Do you know? I think it's twelve. Ooh. So it's you can you can keep them away, but it just ends up. Yeah, you know, it just ends up being a, a. I mean, Saruman I think has outranges on his spells both the Witch King and Gandalf, but they both have moved twelve mounts if they want them, and it's just like how much of the game am I really willing to run Saruman away? Yeah, fair enough. But if I do play a Witch King on Felbeast, you know, I'll knock it down, and then that'll be that'll be a completed completed. Uh, what am I trying to say? Bucket list. There we go. Lord of the Rings bucket yeah. list. Isengard bucket list. Knock over a fell beast. Right. With a sorceress blast. Mm-mm. Delicious. All right. Well, Ben, we've talked about the mighty army that I will be attempting to win an unexpected tournament with. What are you playing? No, I am, in fact, Sam, bringing Azog's Legion. And once again, it's led by Bolg. Excellent. But I have... I've made some changes. It's different. It's a different army. Well, not entirely. A little different army. So, here we go. We've got Bolg on Felwag in his warband. There is one Gundabad Orc with a banner, a spear, and a shield. Five Gundabad Orcs with spear and shield. And three Gundabad Orcs with shield. He's also got three Berserkers and three Warbats. That's 407 points in that one warband, by the way. Dang. The next warband is also from the Azog's Legion list, and it is a goblin mercenary captain with eight goblin mercenaries. The next warband is from the Dark Powers of Dol Guldur. We have Mr. Big Thighs himself, the Keeper of the Dungeons. Yeah, Big Thighs. Oh, he's so good. So great. So powerful. I mean, moving him around and, and saying that all the time. Right. You just got to watch out for, you know, tell people, like, if you've got a watermelon, he can crack it open for him. <laughs> yeah, that that's what's in his beard. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the Keeper of the Dungeons, accompanied by six Gundabad Orcs with spear and shield, three Gundabad Orcs with shield. And the next warband, also from the dark powers of Dol Guldur, is just a Castellan all by himself. Castellan of Dol Guldur with a Morgul blade. 
And the final warband is allied in from Azog's Hunters. It is a Hunter Orc Captain. Three Hunter Orcs on Felwag with Bow. And that's it. For an exact total of 800 points, with 40 models, and 10 points of might. Mmm. I like it. I'm excited. I'm excited. We talked about this in the last episode. We talked about some changes to the list, and I'm excited to see them. I am... No monsters this time, which is a little sad for me, but I'm really excited to try out some evil heroes. I have five heroes in this list. Yeah, that's awesome. I am I am curious, how are you concerned at all for Maelstrom missions with that Castellan all by his lonesome? So, I thought you'd ask me that. I have an answer prepared and ready. The Castellan has no might, okay? So he's the one piece of my army that I cannot, like, he just rolls and he's going whatever I roll. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I was listening to Two Towers podcast. I like ate through all their episodes last week at work. And one of them mentioned, or someone on there, it might have even been one of their opponents, mentioned that he views Maelstrom as just everyone starting down one might. Because mm-hmm. if you roll a two, you might it down to a one and don't come on. You roll a three, you might it up to a four and you pick. So just like assume worst case scenario, all your heroes are down one might. But the Castellan cannot come in. He, he like rolled, he's got no might. He just has 12 will. So I was like, if he's going to be in a terrible place, let's have just him be in a terrible place. I'll be out one Castellan, but he's not going to be dragging some other portion of my army with him. Getting that's, lost. Yeah, no, that's a, that is an excellent point. I don't like the, I don't like the idea of Maelstrom is just playing down with one might. I think, uh, I think a chunk of the time I probably rely on being able to play well enough that I'm fine with letting my opponent choose. But that is definitely an interesting, interesting way to look at it. So, I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. So, Ben, we've talked about how you'll deal with Maelstrom. Do you have any opponents you really want to play against? And do you have a scenario you would love to to play? I want a rematch against Goblin Town. I want mm. a lot of rematches, but specifically Goblin Town because I want to get Bolg up to Mighty Hero. I wanted to get 10 kills on Bolg. I got trounced so badly and played my last game against Goblin Town so badly. I want some redemption there as well. But for funsies, I want Bolg to get Mighty Hero. Very good. What about a scenario? Is there a scenario that you're like, this is the one I want to play, or this is the one I don't want to play? I think... Oh... So in the last episode, we talked against my talked about my, my terrible game of Reconnoiter. I just I don't really like that scenario. Although yeah. I think this list might do better because I've got three bats, three berserkers, and um, five cavalry models. Sorry, four cavalry models. I thought um, you had five berserkers. Don't you have five berserkers? No, it's, it's only three berserkers. Uh, you can yeah. you, listener, you can tell how much I pay attention to Ben. Well, that, that's why I asked you to summarize your breakdown of pikes and spear and shield and stuff. Because I like, immediately spaced out when you started talking about your Imulus. So yeah. it goes both ways. Dear Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. My front-to-back ratio is exactly one-to-one, by the way. I have exactly enough spear-supporting models to back up every model that, on foot that doesn't have a spear. So how many, how many Gundabad orcs do you have total in the army? 18 Gundabads, 6 Sword and Board, 12 Spear and Shield. 6 Sword and Board and 12 with Spear and Shield? Yeah, and then I, thought I, you said... I also have 
On oh, foot, I've also got three counting. berserkers. Right. The hunter orc captain, the castellan, and the keeper of the dungeons. So if you count those models as well, my front to back ratio is twelve to twelve. You know, twelve spear supporting, twelve uh, twelve front rank, in theory. Although realistically, the keeper is going to be, you know, a lot of those models are going to be hiding in the back as I walk forward, so my front line is going to have spears. It'll be interesting to see how it does. Yeah, that's just a breakdown of points. I could have thrown some spears out, I guess, and put other weapons on people, but I think I think really, unless you can throw out, unless you throw out like five spears and get another goblin or something, it's it's probably not, it's probably fine, you know, and I don't think yeah. that's really worth it. It's interesting because I think if you know if we if our armies played against each other, if we played with a table that had loads of terrain and lots of little, you know, hop gates, basically, narrow passes, I think your army would do a lot better because you could apply more pressure to those points. But if we played on just a big, wide, wide front, then the, the having all those spears, it would be a lot easier for me because I have, I have a bunch of dudes without spears. I would just spread out and be able to get around more easily. So I do think... I do think it yeah. kind of depends a lot on terrain. Absolutely. And the scenario, like, if I'm in a scenario where, you know, objectives where I have to spread out, then my tactics are going to be a bit different than if it's just one of those kill missions. Then I'm, I'm going to death ball up, I, I think. And just, you know, a spear point of Bolg, the Keeper of the Dungeons, the Hunter or Captain, and the Castellan, that's like a, a pretty good wedge and drive into just about anything. Yeah. Definitely. Well, I like it. I'm excited to hear how it does. I'm also excited to hear any stories about goblin mercenaries because I think they are excellent. Yeah, yeah, super excited. I can't count, by the way. That's why there are only eight goblin mercenaries. I thought the Castellan was 35 points. He's he's 40 points base, so... I was wondering. I thought you had a warband of 10 and then you took one off for the, the blade, but... I did. It's just because I can't do math. That's okay. It happened before with your uh, extra ogre at Adepticon, or didn't that you did not actually bring it, but that was in the list, and then you redid the math and realized that was uh, sixty points over. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, that sounds good. I hope you're excited to hear how those armies do, listener. So we will. We're going to move move rapidly on. I think to talk about something that that Ben had an idea for us to do so we've we've determined that the best way to record these podcasts and keep them interesting for both you and us is to record the what we're expecting and hoping for this tournament before we've actually been to the tournament because once you go it's really you know you say i really hope i get a winning record and you know you just got beaten for four games in a row is kind of a bummer <laughs> so what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna play a little unexpected tournament bingo and we we've decided to each come up with nine we're going to have a, a three by three bingo sheet and we're each going to have nine things that we are expecting to see or hoping for this tournament kind of thing and then we're going to keep track of those across the event and after the event at the end of the final episode or somewhere in the final episode for the event we will say how we each did and maybe we'll come up with a silly prize or something. Yeah. And we are aware, dear listener, that bingo is traditionally played on a 5x5 a five five grid. But 
coming this up is... with 25 things to hunt for at a tournament seemed like a lot of work. But if, if, a, if a 3 by 3 grid is too easy, maybe we'll just make it a scavenger hunt sort of style of thing. We'll see how it goes. A little, little bit of fun, fun game. What are we expecting to see? What has our experience of our meta taught us about, about Lord of the Rings? This is European bingo, Ben, where there's only 3x3. Three three. What? That's, I'm, I, you just make it up. People are always oh, like, right. ah, yeah, yeah, I yeah. see. Yeah. Yes, England is, does it England this way, bingo. does it? <laughs> All right, Sam. Hobby bingo. Read us your sheet, uh, left to right. Uh, well, you see, being the most prepared possible, I just wrote a list. Um, and we'll <laughs> fill it in later. Obviously, you guys can't see this, so I could have just pretended that this was left or right, but there may be some strategy in picking the spots. But I will I will read my list. Here we go. So we have, I believe that I will see at least one Witch King on Felbeast. There's going to be at least one Balrog. I think somebody is going to bring the Fellowship. And we're going to play at least one Maelstrom mission. I think somebody is going to bring Gulivar because he's my nemesis. And I think I am going to play at least two people who do not have their own copy of the match play guide. I think Ben is going to play against the army of Dale because I think he has done that in every event we have talked about so far. Not the last one, actually. No, definitely the last oh, one. Oh, not oh, sorry, the last one, but not um, Bill not was birthday bash. Yeah, fair enough. Anyway, he did it at Adepticon, so we'll we'll count it. I think there will be at least one Shire table, and we'll do a contingent bonus point that Ben will play on it at least once. <laughs> and then this is my my wild card, and I think Ben is going to have a winning record at the end of this event. I think with the power Ooh. of with the power of thick thighs, he will in fact win. Exciting. Gambling on me to win. I love it. I love it. I should have kept that as a mystery one so you couldn't sabotage my bingo. But oh, I think I would rather win Lord of the Rings than Hobby Bingo. Well, that's <laughs> where the priority's wrong is all I'm saying. All right, Ben, hit us, hit us with your best Hobby Bingo shot. So while writing my list, I just wrote my list in a 3x3 in a three three grid. So I am, I am prepared. Uh, so, from the left, we have Riders of Theoden Legendary Legion will be in attendance. Mm. I also believe that there will be a Witch King on Felbeast. He is a common sight. And, and here we go. I think we're going to see the new Dragon Emperor. I think there's going to be a Dragon uh. Emperor there. Um, I think that someone is going to bring two lists uh, for, their, for their armies that are themed together. For example, the Defenders of Helm's Deep and the Urukai Siege Legion. Something, something like that. Mm -hmm, two, mm -hmm. two armies that are themed together. I think that I am going to play against someone who also didn't bring a good army, so I'll play mm. an evil player. Yep. Solid, solid bet. I think that the Assault on Lothlorien Legendary Legion will be there. I think that no player will only bring a good army. I think there'll be some other players like us that only bring evil armies, but mm. there'll be no one who only brings good. I also think there'll be a Balrog there, and here's my sort of wildcard one a little bit. Uh, someone will bring the new Dwarf Heroes, mm. uh, either Young Thorin or, or Old Dane. Mm. Mm -mm. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, we'll, we'll draw these up and take pictures of them and, and put them on the Instagrams, um, and you guys can, can take a look at our bingo sheets and see how we did. 
And if you want, you can predict and see, put take uh, take bets on whether Ben or Sam will successfully win Harvey Bingo, or if it will be a tie. Or you could pause the podcast, make your own Hobby Bingo suit based on your experience or lack thereof of the East Coast US meta, <laughs> and, uh, and play along with us. We'll post pictures of the event, and, um, and you'll never know if your obscure bets are there because we don't know. But that's, you could try. That's true. Or we can pretend and just give you give you answers. The other yeah, thing yeah, that's yeah. that's kind of interesting about this, right, is that while this is it's sort of not our meta, right? If this was a local, at least to me, not local to you, um, or a more local event, like if this was Nova, I feel like we'd have a better better bet, or like Bilbo's birthday bash, just because it tends to be the same group of people. But this is actually quite a long way away from us. So for all we know, there could be no evil players in North Carolina, basically, and everyone's all about good, whereas in our area, like, everyone loves evil. So be interesting to That's see. A good point. That's a good point. It will be interesting to see. It will be interesting to see. Oh, can't wait for it. Can't wait. Next weekend, coming up. Right. All right. I It'll think be a moment for you, listener, but an age of Middle Earth for uh, Sam and I. That's true. I think I think we're into the last bit of pre-recording here, Ben, um, which is tell me what you are hoping and dreaming to achieve in this event. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. Ben's goals for the event are, number one, Primero Uno come out with that sweet, sweet winning record. Five games, want to win three. Excellent. Um, as prefaced earlier, I want to get Bolg up to Mighty Hero. I think that'd be a cool, a cool thing to achieve against a Horde army. And we'll set myself three goals. Um, I want to have... I don't know, some fun with the Keeper of the Dungeons. I want him to get up to some shenanigans. Not quite sure exactly how I'm going to use him, precisely what roles he'll fill in the army, but I think he's just so cool. Yeah. I want him to do stuff. Uh, you should have included on your hobby bingo that uh, the Keeper of Dungeons will fight one uh, one model who has a ring of power. Oh, damn, that would have been a good one. Next time. Next time. Next time. Next time. And you, Sam, do you have any goals, hopes, dreams for this tournament? I would also love to achieve a winning record. Three wins over five games would be great. I would love to get to that sweet four win. Fourth win would be great. Again, always sort of a dream to knock over uh, Ringwraith on Felbeast with Saruman Sorceress Blast, but I would prefer not to play evil. So it's sort of like, if I have to play evil, it would be very funny. I would like to play, you know, like Kamul or one that I'm not that worried about and then knock him off his Felbeast because that would be hilarious. Um, that's true (laughs) ah well the other and then I guess the the last sort of going into any event because I spend so much time painting I always want to walk away with some sort of painting award that's always my goal because I don't think I'll ever consistently be able to win tournaments but I I do I do think I'll toot my own horn a bit and say that I think I can consistently win painting stuff so that's my that's my third and final sort of tournament related goal awesome awesome excited to hear how we do welcome back listener a blink of an eye for you and several days for ben and i we're sitting down about a week after we last recorded to give you the details 
on our adventures in Durham, North Carolina at the Atomic Empire and to let you know how the how our games went, how the tournament was, and all the various Lord of the Rings shenanigans we got up to. Mm, what shenanigans and what a store, right? We drove um, five, six hours down from Baltimore I... and we got in on the Friday before the event and well, I went to scope out the store and it's pretty huge. It is. Uh, it is it? a big. It is a big store. Soaring ceilings, lots of stuff. Very cool. Yeah, nice and open. Like lots of breathing room. Um, really didn't have to worry about where we, you know, where we're gonna put down all our all our stuff. Everyone's brought two armies, and there's still like miles of room around all the tables and everything, which was super cool. Well, decidedly, not everyone has brought two armies because we did. That's true. We That's each true. only brought one, so, and we're not alone in that fact. Well, yeah. I think uh, I think enough dilly dallying around, um, and we should just get into it. A new power is rising. Its victory is at hand. Ben, do you want to take us away? Give us the details. Your first game. What was the scenario? Who you were? Pl- who were you playing against? What were they playing? All those juicy deets. Okay, so I was playing against. Let's start off with the mission. So in this event, an unexpected tourney. Um, the scoring for missions was three victory points for a win. One victory point for a draw, zero victory points for a loss. So pretty straightforward. Tournament points, sorry, not not victory points, tournament points. But no no major wins, no major losses, just win, draw, lose. And the first mission we were playing was Hold Ground. Will you give us a rundown of Hold Ground, Sam? Maybe our listener like me has never played this one before. This is my first time holding any mm, ground. Mm, interesting. Well, I certainly, I certainly can give us a quick rundown of Hold Ground. Hold Ground is a Maelstrom mission, which for you keen-eared listeners means that, uh, and anyone who's tracking, means that Sam has successfully hobby-bingoed one square. Um, so Hold Ground, Maelstrom mission, variable game length, so after somebody's been broken on a one or a two, the game may suddenly end. You get, basically there is one objective in the center of the battlefield, if you have more models within six of that objective than your opponent, you get three points. If you have at least two models and twice as many as your opponent, you get five. And if you have at least three models and three times as many as your opponent, you get seven. There is also one point for wounding the enemy leader. If instead you kill it, you get two points. And one point for breaking the enemy force. Um, and if you are unbroken, instead you get three points. And I was facing off against the Rangers of Ithilien, who were commanded by Matt. And I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the army list. We start off with Faramir, Captain of Gondor with bow. And in his warband, there are 15 Rangers of Gondor. Next, we have Madril, Captain of Ithilien. And in his warband, there are six Rangers of Gondor. Next, we've got Anborn, Ranger of Athelion, and in his warband, there are six Rangers of Gondor. 
Next, we have Damrod, Ranger of Gondor, Ranger of Athelion, and in his warband, there are six Rangers of Gondor. And finally, we have Frodo Baggins, Samwise Gamgee, and Smeagol. So, a whole lot of heroes. So, 53 models, 50 bows, plus the hobbits throw stones, for whatever that's worth, if you want to count all of those shots. And we were playing in the ruins of Osgiliath, so pretty thematic, right? Because we've got Faramir, at least from the Jackson films anyway, Faramir bringing Sam and Frodo and Gollum to, uh, to Osgiliath to fight Bol! Because that's totally what happened. <laughs> Yeah, so there we have it. Super cool as Gilead board, lots of terrain, which I, I felt great about because I was looking at a lot of bows and the best thing to do against bows is to hide. So going into this game, how did you feel? Were you feeling feeling confident, worried about the amount of bows? What was, what was your beginning feelings? I mean, at first I was intimidated because I was like, that's, that's, first of all, it's 53 bodies, so it's a horde army. It outnumbers me by, by 13 models. And it's, that's a lot of bows. But I felt good about the terrain. There was lots of stuff for me to hide behind. Lots of, like, two-tier stuff that I could do some fun batch shenanigans with, which I proceeded to do some fun fun batch shenanigans. So I felt, uh, okay. And, what like, one objective, I feel good in my army in a death ball. So I felt I felt pretty good about this one, actually. I, th- I thought I thought I had a, I had a good chance to, uh, chance to do well. Let's let's get into it. Turn one. Give us give us the lowdown. Let's, let's hear all about this game. All right, so turn one, Matt wins priority, so he's bringing his army on the board edge first. Faramir rolls on, I pick Faramir, Faramir goes in the corner furthest away from where I'm standing. It was like the southeastern corner or something, southeast, southwestern corner, doesn't really matter. Faramir's in a corner behind a building. Next warband rolls on, it's the one Madrill, the one that gets to re-roll reserves once he's on the table, mm-hmm. rolls a one, doesn't come on the table. Excellent. So he's not getting to use his roll because he's off the table. Next warband, my choice, goes in the corner opposite Faramir, not diagonally opposite the table. I didn't want to make my opponent have to walk around and around the table because I, I wouldn't want someone to do that to me. So I put him just, you know, in the other corner on that southern board edge. I think I chose the next war... No, he chose the next warband and it came right in the middle of the southern board edge. So he's got three warbands down on the southern board edge. My last pick for his final warband before Frodo, Sam, and Gollum is also on the southern board edge behind another building. So he's like all sort of bottlenecked up around these boardings on the, buildings on the southern board edge. Big mass of bows. And then Frodo and Sam come on the western board edge, but on like the southern end of it. So his army's pretty well like on... It's almost like he's got a 12-inch deployment zone or a 6-inch deployment zone across across mm. the southern board edge with his army all split up. Sounds like you definitely should have chosen to put a, the second warband on the opposite diagonal. Yeah, yeah, I should have done, I guess. But, you know, there you go. They were The thing that I felt really good about is because I put them as close to the corners as I could and whoever had put the terrain on this table had done a really good job at distributing the buildings. They were like... They had to walk, like, around the building and then could start moving into the table like no matter which way they went they right. would have to go parallel to a board edge and then make a 90 degree turn so they were they were going to be moving and not shooting and they had a long way to go to the middle of the table but you're right breaking them up making my opponent walk around the table might have been better anyway my turn to bring on my troops bold rolls a two and what you don't want when you have 50 bows is for your opponent to choose because he's been bringing them on like three inches so they can shoot is to you you know you don't we don't want them to pick where bold's going so i mited the two down to a one and bold didn't show up keeper of the dungeons rolls a one and doesn't show up 
The Castellan comes on the western board edge, and it's my choice, and he's got the Morgul Blades, so I decided that the Castellan was going to go and kill Frodo, because it, it just seemed... It was, too, it was too thematic to pass up. So the Castellan moves on the board edge right behind Frodo, Sam, and Gollum. The Hunter Rock Captain also rolls a 2, and spends a might to move it down to a 1, and the Goblin Mercenary Captain is not deploying on the table. So the only model of my army that walked on the table that first turn is the Castellan. So, I don't know what you think about that, Sam. Any any thoughts right there? Spending two might to keep my whole army basically off the table? The Keeper of the Dungeons naturally rolling the one? I mean, I guess it's... it's I don't know. It's better than... Than fighting a bunch of bows and letting him pick, I suppose? Uh, hard to say. I guess we'll have to see whether it ended up affecting the game and the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, he wins the next priority... Frodo and Sam try and run away from, from the Castellan to no avail. Castellan charges into Frodo and Sam. Uh, Madril comes on the board. It doesn't matter anymore. Everyone's on the table, so his special reserves roll's not coming on. I think he rolled a six and decided to bring him on near Faramir. And then it's my turn. Bolg comes on the western board edge and is like ready to just screw up a whole bunch of rangers. So that's where most of his army was. There were like four little heroes over there. Um, about half the rangers and Frodo and Sam, and that seemed like a pretty good place to bulk. He could, it was my choice, I got to pick where he came on, so he came on behind a building, his bats flew up into the second story of the building, and his whole wall of orcs just went to go mess up some rangers. The hunter or captain rolls another one and doesn't come on the table. The keeper of the dungeons rolled a five or a, a five, I think, which is the, and I picked the northern board edge because I did not want to put him on the southern board edge next to all of those rangers, so he's like opposite the rangers coming right on the middle of the table, just, just ready to run. And the Goblin Captain passes his leadership test and does not come onto the table. And that's like the shakedown. So we've got Bolg and the Castellan and a whole bunch of Rangers and Frodo and Sam in one corner. Faramir's all the way off on the other corner not doing anything. And a whole mess of Rangers and the Keeper of the Dungeons are like opposite each other on the northern and southern board edges like just racing into the middle of the table. Uh, and then I finally won a priority. So you've got this big old swirl of a whole, just a whole bunch of guys fighting on these alleys on the edge of the table. Um, the Castellan manages to kill Sam. Sam is trying to do his heroic combat off of, off of, of Berserkers and, and runs into the Castellan to save Frodo. Uh, Castellan turns around and, and stabs Sam. Doesn't manage to use his Morgul knife on Frodo. It doesn't go off. Gollum gets chopped up by a bunch of Berserkers. The bats and the orcs are cleaning up a bunch of rangers. And the Goblin Mercenary, not the Goblin Mercenary Captain, sorry, the Hunter Rock Captain rolls another one and still doesn't come on the table. So, you know, poor old Goblin Mercenary Captain is just like, so not appearing in this game. Keeper's running towards the middle. And, you know, we're just trading, trading wounds back and forth. It's been, been pretty easy. Even I've been taking some shooting casualties from the Keeper's Warband. Bulk has run into the middle of the table and but there's a building right near that center objective and Bulk's like hiding behind the building out of line of sight from all the rangers, but totally threatening. Uh, anyone that's going to walk within 10 inches of the center. So right now, I've got command of the center. I've got Bolg there. I've got two bats behind the building, and the bats are, like, flying out over the ranger captains and plucking plucking the captains of the rangers and knocking them down and trying to get some wounds and burning away fate here and there. So I was, I was pretty pleased with my bat maneuvers in this game. But it all came down to this really critical march at the end of the game. Like, we've got five minutes left on the clock out of a two-hour game, and Madril calls a march and runs like 15 rangers right into the middle of the field. And he'd done a really good job of giving the Keeper in the Dungeons and his warband like a juicy target to go and kill. And I, I kind of fell for it. I thought that I could run out and go kill these other rangers and then get back into the center before the game ended. 
and they got out there. The Keeper of the Dungeons calls a heroic combat, slaughters a bunch of rangers, slaughters two rangers, you know, moves into the next two, kills another two rangers. So he's already up to four kills in one turn. So absolute beasting through the rangers. His orcs are chopping through. But unfortunately, next turn rolls in. I was not able to get enough of the orcs back into the center of the table. And it wound down being he had 13 guys on the objective and I had four hmm. and I'm forever going to be sitting kicking myself because I forgot to roll for the goblin mercenaries on the last turn of the game which would have swung it to an even even Steven draw on the middle of the pitch so uh, he won the game five victory points to three so a close a fairly close game like yeah I just sort of flubbed up my first game with the goblin mercenaries forgot to roll them just should have left the keeper of the dungeons where he was those rangers couldn't really get to the center through the building where the keeper was hiding so I, you know if i just left him where he was i'd have had nine orcs to run into the middle with um and they there you have it, it was my first game super fun guy to play against yeah really great guy nice nice painted army whole bunch of rangers which was intimidating all those bows i feel like i did a good job and just sort of mucked it up mucked it up on the last two turns yeah i mean i guess that's that's one of the things with uh playing a tournament with a clock right is you have to be vaguely aware of the clock at all times and once you're down to the last five minutes it's unless he's like one model away from breaking or something and then maybe you send like two orcs or just the keeper over to like guarantee that break you just need to camp on the objective because that's what's going to win you the game right yeah my hundred orc captain um i'm just going to run through this this because summary of his his turn so first turn he brought mites uses a mite to not come on second turn doesn't come on third turn doesn't come on fourth turn still rolls a one doesn't come on uh so it doesn't come on until the fifth turn with my hunter orcs Jeez. um so that was i can i guess i could have spent his last mite to bring him on any of those points and let my opponent pick where he went but that seemed like a shit a shit trade I mean, so, definitely um, after spending a point of might to not let your opponent pick, you basically have spent yeah. two points of might for to roll a two. Yeah, yeah. When he did get on, though, again, the hunter orcs were great in these, like, behind these buildings. I want to add more of them to the list because, the fell. like, you, you move them on the table, they're ten inches behind the rangers, and then, you know, and I tell everyone they've got fell sight, they can charge without line of sight, but people forget, or they, you know, there's just nothing they can do about it, and then all of a sudden there are three hunter orcs uh charging out from behind buildings and it's great awesome awesome so there we have it a tough game for the forces of bulg against the rangers of a of athelion faramir didn't do anything all game just ran around with his rangers trying to shoot people but madril called a fantastic heroic march on the last turn and brought a whole bunch of rangers into the middle of the board and that was the end of my game sam so what about you who did the white wizard face off against for game one well game one we had a a reasonably thematic battle it was the forces of isengard against the forces of fangorn Ooh. yeah i played chris who had his ents and I will go over the army really quickly, and I mean really quickly, because it is incredibly small. It was Treebeard <laughs> upgraded to have Marion Pippin, and then it was five Ents, and that was it. <laughs> None of the other hero Ents? No, no, which, probably not ideal, but if you, the way the, way the Ents are pointed, it's that army, so Treebeard, Marion Pippin, and five Ents is exactly 800 points. And I don't uh, think there's a way to get... I think you maybe you can take both of the heroes and get and not be down by a lot of points, but it's really difficult to, 
to get the hero ents in. They're kind of more like you take one of those and an, and a regular ent allied in another army, I feel like. Gotcha. Gotcha. So facing off against the forces of Fangorn, uh, what kind of table were you playing on? Uh, we were playing on just a generic grassy table. It had some woods, a few standing stones. It had two two rivers running across it. So the objective was sort oh, of like too. in a in an island. Peninsula is not quite the right word either, but in in a, a bit of land between two rivers that had a couple fords, which was not ideal, right? Because the monsters are just going to ignore that, and my whole army is going to be slowed down crossing yeah, through I was about it. Yeah, to say. Yeah, no cavalry for you. Well, cavalry don't ignore water, do they? No monsters for you ignoring water. Yeah, I think cavalry ignore shallow water, don't they? No, they don't. Oh yeah, no. Well, maybe they do. I'm not sure. Anyway, no, no cavalry. That really mattered. So, how do you feel going into that with that matchup? Hold ground. You've got Lurts who gets to go wherever he wants in a maelstrom. That must have felt pretty good. Yeah, I mean it, that was exciting to be able to first time using Lurts to to use his find the halflings rule. So that was cool. I think I felt pretty confident. Did you say it? No, I didn't. <laughs> Alas, I think I told him that I had that rule. I think I felt pretty confident. Chris is very new to the game. And in a game where you just get points for having the most models within six inches of the center and your opponent only has, what, seven, eight models if Merry and Pippin dismount, and I have 37, it is kind of just stay there and basically try and box them out and just survive for two hours effectively. Nice. I feel like Mary and Pippin should have to take a climb test to dismount from Treebeard, otherwise they take falling damage. Right. Well, he just he just picks them off his shoulders and puts them down. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Right on. So, uh, how'd it go? Tell me, give me the details. Well, I, I did exactly what you don't want to do in a Maelstrom mission, which was win priority on turn one. <laughs> um, so I rolled for Saruman's Warband first because I know I can choose Lurt, so it really doesn't matter where Saruman goes because I'm not going to have like my entire... He's not just going to be on his own. I think I rolled a two, and I don't care. He, I pick it. So he picked off in one of the, the corners on my side of the board edge, and then I rolled... And, and then I think I for the rest of my army, obviously I didn't have to roll for Lurt, but for the rest of my army, I... I rolled four pluses and was just able to stick them all in basically the same spot. I decided... Oh, nice. So I didn't have to walk through a bunch of rivers because I had a very small little area that was between the rivers. Trees. I put Lurts off on the left flank, or my left flank, I guess, close to a ford so I could run his warband across. And, and I was humming and hurring about putting Lurtz over on this hill by himself when the rest of my army was kind of far away. And I was like, because if if his army had rolled and shown up right there, that basically would have been Lurtz in a pretty reasonable... And 12 Urukai wiped out very fast. But I, I looked at him and I was like, I'm going to put Lurtz here. You're going to roll a 1. Uh, I know it. Uh, you're not, and uh, that's exactly what he did. It was his turn to deploy. First turn, Treebeard rolls a one, and he didn't spend anything, which totally makes sense because he could have spent all his might, and I still would have got to choose. So then he wins priority on turn two. Treebeard rolls a two, and he decides to spend a point of might to might it down to delay another turn, 
uh, I just rush everyone towards the center because my whole plan was get enough bodies in the center and then do concentric rings of Urukai just outside six <laughs> inches. And then I think I won on turn three. Again, just mob the center with more guys. And the Ents finally arrived. And I think he rolled a two again. And I got to choose. Or a three. He, I think he rolled and I got to choose. So I stuck him off on a on a corner. And he, he then proceeded to spend the next few turns uh, walking, walking towards me. Wow. So you basically just, like, got three turns of just getting the total positioning you wanted and, and everything in the middle of the table. Yep. Yep. So wow. I think by... Uh, I think so. He won. He won the following turn. So he arrived, walked on his six, and at that point, I was like, I had gone well past, or I had my my scouts and Maher pretty much past the the objective, and I was going to play ent catching, and he was just moving them up in this big block, and he moved up, and so I had Saruman cast a transfix on a random ant because despite the fact that they ignore, I can't move them around, I can't push them or make them move, they can still suffer the other effects of transfix as far as I can tell. And so I was, well, I'll transfix an ant and that way I can send a bunch of Urukai into him and even if he wins, he's not going to kill me. So... That's exactly what happened. I sent Maher and like four scouts or three scouts into this Ent. It was transfixed. And I won the fight. And the way he placed all his Ents, he, it was like in basically three rows. So he wasn't able to make way. So he had trapped himself. And I was able to flash kill an Ent. And it was glorious. Nice. Timber! And I think I did, and I also, it looks like from looking at my notes, I, I taken, must, I'd taken some pot shots at, uh, at Treebeard, probably with crossbows, and had done a sneaky wound, which he spent a fate and passed. No, didn't you say it was the Crabane? No, no. No, that, that comes oh, later, okay. Ben. Way to spoil oh, the surprise. Spoilers. So, spoilers. so the next turn, I, I won priority, and he's, you know, and we spread out. I charge a few more Ents. He, he started breaking up his force. And at this point, I was kind of just playing catch and trying to push these Ents back. And I that's when, as Ben alluded to, I charged an Ent with a Krebine just to, like, grab him. And somehow, out of every model in my army in combat, it was the Krebine that won the fight and needing sixes by fives got the six <laughs> sixes by five yeah got the six <laughs> got the five and there we go there was a sneaky woodpecker in that uh flock of birds oh that's fantastic and and basically that's that's all the game really was we sadly timed out you know hate to do it but that's kind of just the nature of the game and we spent a reasonable amount of time he was barging like every chance he got which i wasn't 100 sure. percent sure on and he was new and wasn't 100% sure on. So I think we did it slightly wrong, but it didn't. Re it just took forever. So we ended up going through our time pretty quickly. And I only killed the one Ent and wounded another oh. Ent. And then right at the end, I got a wound on Treebeard. And and just by the end of the game, I still had like 18 Urukai to his six Ents in the middle. And so it, I, I won. Uh, I won eight... Two zero. 
No, victory for the forces of the White Wizard. Nicely done, sir. Yeah, yes, we went out into the field and fought them before they could get to Isengard and fought them off. Yeah, right. So, you know, it was a good game, great opponent, always kind of frustrating when you're just not doing anything. And I really, I should have killed more than one Ent because with strength four, I need sixes. I just could not right. roll to wound that game. But yeah, but I I got the I got the sweet win and uh, and had a great a great time. So that is sorry. What what did you say the final victory score was? It or victory points were again? Eight to zero. Eight to zero. Oh man, yeah, smashing win. Yeah, because I got seven for the objective, and then I did a wound to Treebeard. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yep. So a good game. Things are looking good for Isengard moving into round two. Speaking of round two, Ben, are you ready to dive into game number two? Yeah, let's do it. So, let's do it. who were you playing? What army were they playing? And what was the scenario? Okay, so I was playing against David, who for his good army, because he did bring two armies. And I just want to say, hilariously enough, his evil army was two Mumakil. Fantastic, Excellent. hilarious. I love it. But for his good army, which I was facing, he brought the Return of the King Legendary Legion, which was led by Aragorn with Legolas and Gimli. He also had the King of the Dead with two Riders of the Dead and three Warriors of the Dead, and then a Herald of the Dead with five Warriors of the Dead. And he had Ooh. another Deadite with a banner in there as well. So nice. lots of stuff. Nice and small. Yeah. Yeah, and, not a lot of warriors. And what was the mission? What what mission were you guys playing? So we were playing a Gondor Calls for Ale favorite, Fog of War. Ah, excellent. Host favorite. Yeah, love this one. Love this one. You want to give us a rundown of what it is, Sam, and why it's so fantastic? I surely do. So, Fog of War, another game with a variable game lengths once you're broken on a one or a two the game may suddenly end 12 inch deployment zones which is always pretty crucial to know and it's it's as ben said it's a a favorite of ours so if you've listened before you'll have heard me mumble my way through these objectives but i'll try and do it once more at the beginning of the game you pick one of your heroes who is not your leader that you're trying to protect if he's alive at the end of the game and unwounded, you get three points. If he's alive but is wounded, you only get one point. You also pick an enemy hero who you're trying to kill. If you've done a wound to it by the end of the game, you get one point. If you've killed it, you get three points. Can't be the enemy leader. I'm not sure if I specified that earlier. And then you're picking a terrain piece and trying to take over it if you have models by it. You get one point if there are no enemy models and you have your models by it. Instead, you get three. And you also get one point for, for breaking the enemy army. If you're unbroken and they're broken, you get three. I will also say that Spencer clarified for this event, which was really cool, that the piece of terrain you're trying to take had to be wholly within your opponent's side of the table because the match play guide does not specifically say. Nice. Awesome. So a really great scenario, lots of objectives, lots of bluffing, you know, trying to capture stuff and and defend hills, and oh, it's just great. And we were playing on this crazy Mordor table, 
on a lava mat, which obviously we just we just ignored the mat. It was just cool looking. These like ashy hills that had little pieces of slate on top of them that, that functioned sort of like walls defending the obstacle. Things could happen and the hills were neat because on, on like some faces they would be two inches tall and on other faces they were an inch tall, a half inch tall. So you kind of had the option to move up the hills the long way round, in which case you weren't taking any climb tests, but you had to go like the long way round. Or you could take some climb tests and get your guys up on top of these hills. It was a pretty neat board, fighting in the ashy wastes of Mordor. With, Very with cool. Mount Doom in the background, someone had modeled a, a, a Mount Doom volcano which was sitting off off the table in, in the background. And what, so you're trying to, I assume you're trying to take one of these ashy hills, and who yeah. were you, who were you trying to protect? So I picked an ashy hill that was just on the other side of the halfway line, pretty close to me. I decided to protect the Castellan of the Castellan of Dol Guldur because he's just such a tank. Excellent. You know, I, and who were you trying to kill? Can't game for Aragorn, right? Um, I love to kill Aragorn with Bog, but I can't pick him. Gimli's too much of a tank. Legolas is going to be hiding in the backfield, so none of the three hunters are a viable target. So it's a choice between the King of the Dead and the Herald of the Dead. And in the end, what I wrote down was the King of the Dead, but I'd gone hummed and hawed over it so much in my mind that I actually played this game like I was trying to kill the Herald. So <laughs> all game, I was like flying nice. my bats at the Herald and stuff. There you have it. So those were my targets. The King of the Dead I was trying to kill. I was trying to protect the hunter. Uh, sorry, I was trying to protect the Castellan and, and seize a little, a little hill, a little slice of Mordor to call my very own. Very nice. All right, well, let's get into it. Give us, give us the scoop. How did this game go? All right, so David wins the first priority. Hunter or Captain calls a march, which captures my entire army. I, I really deployed in that death ball, run my entire army up between these two hills, and I'm like, this is where the fight's going to happen. I've got the bigger force, but the deadites are kind of scary. I don't want them wrapping around all my orcs. I want to try and keep them like concentrated and packed. And so I've picked this channel, and it's also fairly nearby the, the hill that I'm trying to take. You know, so that's that's the first turn. Bold gets up on top of the hill with his felwag, and the bats are like loitering behind the the hill. David wins the next priority, moves up his forces, and he moved the Knights of the Dead, the Riders of the Dead, too far forwards. Keeper of the Dungeons and the Castellans. Those were some of the things I was the most scared of, by the way. The, the Riders of the Dead, they seem real scary. Castellan passes his courage test like a champion, runs into a Rider of the Dead. Keeper of the Dungeons, he's not afraid of the Rider either. Run right in, and both of those guys run over the Riders of the Dead. Keeper of the Dungeons up to one kill now. He's re-rolling ones, and the scary thing for me, those two Riders are gone. I've now got the movement superiority, period. Like, he's all on foot now. And Legolas, on this second turn, I sort of tried to talk him out of it a little bit, ends up burning all three of his might to kill one of my Hunter Orcs on, on, hunter orcs on Wag. Hmm. Uh, he took the three shots, missed one of them. Anyway, didn't, like, rolled a two high or something and ended up burning three might to, to kill. So Legolas is now completely out of might on turn two of the game. And on the one hand, I like sort of because he was a new player. I was like, "That's really not a great way to spend resources." And we talked about it after the game. But so we're also at a tournament, and you don't want to talk your opponent too much out of something that's just is fantastic to see Legolas lose all of his money. <laughs> all right. of a sudden, all of a sudden, yeah. he's like a lot less scary. Anyway, so two riders of the dead, dead are down. Legolas is out of mind. I'm feeling pretty good. David wins turn three priority. Moves his deadites up, slamming them into the keeper of the dungeons, into the Castellan and into my wall of orcs that are sort of walking around this hill. 
Uh, incidentally, the goblin mercenary captain has passed his leadership test and has elected to remain hidden in ambush, lurking in wait. And I won two more priorities, killed me two more deadites. And now we get this really interesting situation where my bats have been hiding on the other side of this hill. They fly out over the hill, they throw some plucks on what I thought was my target, the uh, the Herald of the Dead. They're trying to pluck the Herald of the Dead, knock him over, get, uh. get some wounds off on, off on him. And the bat lands back behind one of those pieces of slate. David wins the next priority. Aragorn charges up the hill and the bat is defending the obstacle against Aragorn. With Bold just in the bat, can't quite make it around the bat, get into Aragorn, but he's ready for the next turn. Meanwhile, on the ground, below the hill, Keeper of the Dungeons and the Castellan are neck and neck with three kills each now. They're just slaying deadites and my orcs are finally starting to die, lose a couple of orcs in combat. Aragorn wins his combat against the bat. You expect this from Aragorn, but can't kill it because the bat's defending the obstacle and not enough of the hits go through the obstacle. So my bat takes one wound from Aragorn, but is otherwise unscathed. And Aragorn has to back away. David wins the next priority. We're now on turn five, and he has won every single priority. So the Keeper of the Dungeons calls a heroic move because Bolg needs to charge Aragorn now. So Keeper of the Dungeons calls a move, goes into some more deadites. The bat flies away, and Bolg charges into Aragorn. In in the process of flying away, did the bat lose like an in, two inches of movement to try and knock Aragorn down? Uh, no, because I guess I could have done. But again, I was thinking about my target, the Herald of the Dead. Uh. <laughs> so the bat, of course, flew over the Herald of the Dead. And none of these hits have been landing on the Herald, by the way. They did a terrible job of killing the Herald. Well, he's a ghost, man. What do you expect? Yeah. He's yeah, well, I expect some. I expect something. Anyway, he's, he's made a fluff there of, 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 yeah, they're just not doing anything to the Herald. And Gimli has managed to get into combat with my Hunter Orc Captain. In the next combat phase, the Hunter Orc Captain dies terribly to Gimli's axes, as we would expect, and David spoiled it for me, took all the guessing out of the game and said that that was his target. So he's got uh. his victory points there. We know the Hunter Orc is dead. It was a good target. I should have thought that that was his target. The Hunter Orc was in a bad spot, but... I was feeling pretty good about this game because Bolg wins the strike off against Aragorn. Aragorn calls a strike. Bolg gets his Master of Battle strike and Aragorn rolls a two. Bolg rolls a two. Woohoo! Bolg got fight nine. Aragorn's got fight eight. I've got the high fight. Unfortunately, Bolg rolled a four high in his combat, but that's okay. I just burnt two might and win the strike off against Aragorn and then proceeded to lay eight wounds on him. Oof. Yeah, four attacks on the knockdown, wounding on nice. threes because Bolg's burly with the two-handed pick. And, I mean, eight wounds, that, that, that's good night. Uh, so Aragorn's gone down. My Hunter Orc Captain has gone down. And Bolg is now running around rampant in the backfield. He must be getting whole... close to being broken as that, at that point as well, if you've killed at least four of the... Four deadites, or two, By the... two, two warriors, two knights, and Aragorn. By the time um, Aragorn goes down, I had killed six warriors total, including Aragorn. Oof. Yeah, I was consistently getting two kills a turn, um, which was fan- which against the dead was fantastic, and he was also getting about two kills a turn. But have yeah, the numbers. I have I have the numbers, and the hundred orc captain is still. Oh, not sorry, the goblin mercenary captain is still loitering in ambush. David proceeds to win the next priority. Oh, no, I'm sorry. The Goblin Mercenary Captain comes on the same turn that Aragorn dies. It says on, it says right there. So the Goblin Mercenary Captain, ambush attack! And uh, he's on the hill that I picked. And I picked this hill because it was a short hill. And it means that it's short enough for me to count as on high ground. 
so I could like defend the high ground of my goblins nice. against any deadites. David wins the next priority. Goblin captain calls a move. And we just mopped him up from there. It was, it was pretty much over. There are only two more turns left. Bold charges into the King of the Dead, calls a heroic combat, kills the King of the Dead, goes into the Herald of the Dead, kills the Herald of the Dead. Um, Bold got three kills that turn. That game, that was all he needed. He killed Aragorn, the King, and the Herald. The Keeper of the Dungeons and the Castellan ended up neck and neck with four Deadites each killed. And on the last turn of the game, two of my bats, who had been lodging around in the backfield, decided that Legolas, out of might, looked like a really juicy target. Uh, so they went into Legolas, who lost the combat. And Oof. bats... Legolas is only defense four against the bats piercing strike. He's now defense two. So the bats laid down six wounds... Uh, I'm sorry, four wounds on Legolas, and down he went. Tore him apart. I like it. Tore him apart, yeah. So no riding me pretty... off to Ravenhill. Yeah, right. Right, no, no riding bats around for Legolas. They, that was their vengeance. That was their vengeance. The final victory score was three to twelve. Oof. So he got three victory points for killing the hunter orc captain, uh, and then I got three victory points for killing my target, which I accidentally did. I was the only reason I went into the king of the dead was because I needed to heroic combat off of him into the herald <laughs> of the dead, which I thought was my target. So accidentally killed my target, captured my terrain piece broke my opponent and wasn't broken so i got maximum victory points very good yeah excellent and again a great guy new a bit new to the game i hope i wasn't too rough on him we talked about that legolas just blowing three might on um, yeah on one hunter orc that's just a terrible exchange yeah definitely not ideal but i was pleased with my bat defending the obstacle against Aragorn, obstacle against Aragorn. That, was, that was quite funny <laughs> Yeah, and it's very good. Bolg versus Aragorn on foot. It's interesting, right? Because Aragorn's got the Elven Blade, but Bolg's got the naturally one higher fight. So if they manage to tie fight, Aragorn's got the edge, but my opponent needs to roll a four or higher than or four or higher than me to be, you know, to, to, to win the fight off. So I feel that Bolg onto Aragorn, especially when Aragorn's on foot and I'm getting the charge, I feel that it's pretty, it's pretty even 50-50 which way it could go. Yeah. Well, very good. After after the loss in round one, nice to come back with a solid, solid win. Yeah, and, and losing round one to playing the Goblin Mercenaries so badly, like forgetting them on the key turn, yeah. and then like just having a plan with them, bringing them on, and just owning their terrain piece. So that was my second game, Sam. What about you? Who were you up against, and what forces did they bring? Well, I was playing Xavier, who, like both you and I, only brought an evil army. And he was playing a Moria army, and before the game, um, he said he had, like, 30 models. And I was like, ah, 30 model Moria army, surely there's a Balrog in there. And he said, no, there wasn't. There was no Balrog. Instead, there was a dragon. A dragon? A dragon. What? So, I'll go over his army. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty quick, so... This I don't have the actual list, so this is just looking through my pictures, so it might not, there may be some, may not quite be right, but from what I can remember, he had Ashrak with three Venomback Spiders, and I believe Ashrak had a few goblins in his warband as well. He had Durzag with ten Wild Wogs and two Bat Swarms, hmm. and then he had the Dragon 
that had every single upgrade you can give it except wings so it was a wingless worm so i think that's <laughs> the the worm tongue rule which lets him get a free point of will and cast spells the breathe fire rule which is just gross the and the upgrade to his defense to take him from defense seven to defense nine Ooh. also also pretty good and he in the dragon's warband he had like 14 moria goblins so you were playing against moria with dragon and you're playing fog of war so you got all kinds of options to choose from who did you decide to defend uh, well, obviously, I chose Grima Wormtongue to protect because he's just the <laughs> most obvious choice because he can't be attacked. I looked through all the spells of his two named shamans and the dragon, and none of them had damaging spells. So Grima was safe, unless they killed Saruman, in which case, like, Grima is definitely not safe, but I'm also probably losing. Right on. I decided to try and kill Ashrak because he's got the... the the worst stats i think he's only got two wounds and one fate versus durzag has two wounds and two fate i believe and we were playing on a sweet rohan board and i was just trying to take a random rohan house off to my left side and nice. um yeah and basically the name of the game for me was i was i was like oh man this is gonna be pretty good i'm just gonna be able to get a whole bunch of shooting in and whittle him down because he's got lots of low defense models before we even clash just try and avoid this dragon was kind of my my whole plan which didn't really end up working because i hard deployed to my left and he 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 deployed some he deployed this big warband of wags over there and then the rest of his army to his to my right and then the first turn the wags just like scooted on over so i ended up having to, to i was like well i i have to go engage with this army but also try and avoid this dragon with its horrifying fire yeah I had never faced the... I ended up playing him later on in the tournament, and we'll get into that another day. Will you give us a breakdown on that fire breath rule? Because I was just flabbergasted by how good it is. If anyone out there hasn't run up against a dragon, the fire breath is scary. What does it do? So it is a 12-inch bow, and the dragon hits on a 2+. So if it's moving, which it probably is, it's hitting on a 3. And if it hits the target, I believe it is a strength 10 hit... And everyone within two inches of it is also hit by, of the target, friend and foe, is also hit with a strength 10 hit. If you take a wound from it, you die. Damn. Ab absolutely brutal. Just And two yeah. inches is like a big splash. And the splash damage auto, like, one shot kills too. It's not just the initial target. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's gross. So I was like, well, just try and stay away from that and have a sort of heavy skirmish and not give him many Urukai to uh, to be in range. And he won. So he won priority turn one, and he spent a might and a will on Ashrak to cast Fury. And our lines like shuffled forwards. I had deployed Grima with Durzag, and he and he left three Wags to pin Grima in that little corner. And I started, I sent my Crabane over to Grima, towards Grima, and all my Urukai scouts, except I think I left Maher with the main force who started going towards Ashrak, or going towards Ashrak, going towards his main force, because my house was over by Grima, and I was like, well, if I can free him up, this looks more like I'm going to go free Grima up than necessarily claim an objective over here. 
so oh, sneaky. sneaky. So I was like, this is this is okay to have a reasonable force go this way. And real quick, uh, mm-hmm. you, real quick, you said Ashrak spent a might and a will to cast Fury. Did he channel Fury? He's got channel Fury up. Yeah, yeah, he did. Cool, right on. Just, just, just wanted yeah, clarification no, that, there. Yeah, that totally, totally makes sense. So then I won the second turn, moved more of my guys up, started scooting a few more. So I think I sent four Urkai scouts and the the Krebine over towards those uh, those wargs pinning Grima. And at this point, the dragon walks up its three inches and breathes fire at some Urukai and misses. Which I was like, ooh, excellent. Not worried about that right now. Fireball dodged. Right. And then I won the priority again and moved forwards. And I think I got... I managed to get the Krebine into one of the wags and my Urukai scouts were still running up but really close because they were basically like six inches from his board edge so my Urukai scouts had gone you know 24 close to 24 inches at that point like hucking their way over to these these dogs it was and at this point and he's just like pushing his the rest of his entire army like hard along my right flank and i was like he's there's one of these buildings back here is the one he's trying to take but I can't go and deal with that and not do something about this damn dragon because he's just going to pick off and like blow up just hordes of Urukai in a turn. And I think this turn he killed like two or three. And my, but importantly, my Krebine one fought, pecked back a wag, pecked its eyes out and killed it. So now it's <laughs> two wags and a bunch of scouts or, or two wags trying to deal with my scouts and my birds. I then won priority again. So he won the nice. first priority and I won the next I won the next three. Hell yeah. And I think this it was this turn that maybe last turn, maybe Yeah, I think so sorry, I should go back. The the previous turn when the dragon killed some Urukai, he breathed a fireball at Lurtz. Um, okay. Who was who was in combat with a who was in combat? Him and Maher were in combat with a bat swarm. Oh no! And I he hit. I was like, well, that's a bummer. Did the wound to Lurtz. Lurtz rolls. I think I rolled a three on my one fate, and I was like, well, spending a point of might to save that. And I think Absolutely. I did the same the same thing with Maher. And I was pretty confident that they were going to survive because at worst I roll a one. Lurtz hadn't used any of his might, and I could just blow it all to pass. Uh, but sure. he did vaporize his own bat swarm, which was pretty nice. Ah, nice. Yeah, and then I won priority again, and I started just using one or two dice transfixes on this dragon. Because he only has three will, and he gets the free one a turn. And so if he wants to resist my spell, he does have resistant to magic, so he gets the free one. So I'm figuring he's probably going to use the resistant to magic and or one additional will and then if he wants to breathe fire on top of that he's going to deplete his store of will and eventually he's got to make the decision of one dicing resisting to magic my my one dice spells or using two and having a dragon that can fight in combat but not breathe fire the fire breath is more scary than the thing in combat i will say the monster in combat less scary than breath weapons one-shotting heroes and blowing holes in your battle lines yeah for for sure so i and i think i like that tactic what just the one dice transfix yeah yeah just like whittle his will down with saruman that's that's a great way to to dragon 
Yeah, I mean, that's the event, you know, that's why I'm dreaming of having a second caster in the army, because you put two spells into something with three will, even with resistor magic, they, you know, they're either going to one dice resist something, and if you've got a five or six, they're, like, pretty unlikely to resist it, or they're putting more and just have, like, really no resources, and that's basically what I did throughout the game, so I used my Palantir the next turn to do the same thing, and I was either throwing one dice transfixes at this dragon which he failed several of and and or if i didn't get the transfix i had enough bodies close to this dragon that i was like take a courage test charge the dragon take a courage test charge the dragon and would get at least one urukai in there and at this point grima had been freed by my scout liberation force and bird <laughs> and had got him and had started running so as soon as he could he started running towards the dragon and just sat next to this dragon so he had, he, there were multiple times he was going to try for a heroic move or heroic combat and then decided not to because he would have had to spend too, too might to do it. Nice. Um, and he Cream had one... Worm Tongue whispering to the worm, I like it. Right, right. You might have the special rule, Worm Tongue, but I have the title. Clearly we know which is better. <laughs> but so on the, I just wrap up what happens on the, on my left flank with the, my building i'm trying to capture he had one wog that ran away from my pile of scouts and my crevine and my crevine just spent the rest of the game charging this wog and it was just a lot of pushing and shoving for a very long time and then finally at the end of the game the crevine pecked this wog to death which was awesome and then he just sat on the building and it was like that's it his job is done he's taken my building he killed two wogs and then the rest of my army like wrapped around the center and started coming in and it just ended up and he eventually called a heroic combat with the dragon and killed a couple of urukai i think he might have killed i can't remember if he killed lurts with the dragon or i think he did i think he heroic combated killed an urukai went into lurts and killed lurts but it kind of didn't matter i managed to i managed to break him and then he failed a whole bunch of courage tests on the first turn and one of those courage tests was the dragon it's only courage four he rolled like a three and he had one might and one will and his free one left so maybe so he he i think he maybe he must have he must have rolled a two yeah he rolled like or maybe yeah i a can't might, he, a will three so he he must have rolled a two or yeah snake eyes yeah yeah or he maybe or maybe he, he was out of, maybe he was, he out, was of will. out of will yeah um and he and the dragon flapped away and at that point you know could see it and he was just like defeated um oh it didn't flap away it wormed away that's true it wriggled away it wriggled away <laughs> and i i ended up tabling him which was good because the last model i killed was ashrak <laughs> uh, i was about to ask if you managed to last model was your target huh yeah yeah. Nice. So was yes. that max victory points for you as well? Then? No, no, it wasn't. It was ten, ten to one because we broke each. He broke me as well. Um, uh, so he killed enough to break me, but he didn't. I wasn't taking courage tests because I'm Isengard and I had more than twelve models left. So. <laughs> wow, wow! What a game. Sounds like a good one though well fought that dragon's a challenging challenging thing way to just whittle it down with the white wizard yeah it was it was um it was definitely a tough thing to play against and it was one of the things it just solidified the 
the taking taking a spellcaster is huge. I mean, if it yeah. wasn't if it wasn't for Saruman, I wouldn't have. My only choice would have been to try and get one one model into combat repeatedly, yeah. and that just wouldn't have done. You know, and it's just so it's so difficult. That breathe fire is absolutely brutal. But being able to be like free point of will to transfix you is huge. And there were a couple times I kicked myself about. I don't think I think Saruman ended the game with all three of his might left, and oh. there were a couple of there were a couple of rolls where I got a, on one dice I got a five, and I should have just been like might to a six and make it really hot and and he resisted that he got like the five and resisted it and i was like ah mm. if that had been the six it would have been you know so so that was kind think, of something i need to think about i think yeah and that's a good one like mighting a four to a five it's not that much harder for your opponent you know it goes from 50 percent to 60 percent you know yeah it's not it's not that much of a, a jump but mighting a five to a six you know, it goes from you know one in three to one in six. It's twice it's twice as hard for them to resist that one. So that's a big, that's a good one to spend might on, I think. Yeah, especially uh, because especially if you're if you're ahead. Yeah, and in, in in most games that I'm winning, I'm not spending Saruman's might, and it's only when they're getting or if I have way more body, it's it's when they start getting close that it's nice to be able to get a move with them. But yeah. Yeah, so that was it. So I I have two wins from my first two games. Ooh, ooh, exciting, exciting. I'd love to hear more, but I think, listener, for the moment, that's where we're going to leave this episode and yes, come I... back to you with our next three games and how we did next episode. Yes, I think this will be our longest episode yet, so we'll see. Well, before we before we sign off, Ben, let's um, let's just quickly inform the listeners of what of what we've got going on so as you said next episode will conclude an unexpected tournament with our last three games and talk about who won and any any other tournament wrap-up goodies but in the meantime because of our delay in releasing why don't you tell us what the next event that you will be playing at so that any any listeners who fancy themselves a tournament can uh, and have maybe not heard of the one that you're going to can potentially get themselves some tickets. Cool. So the next event that I'm going to is the Nova Open. It's right near DC. Nova Open. It's a big event. I know for a fact that the grand tournament has sold out, so you cannot participate in that. But I know there are doubles spots open. Sam and I are going to be there in the doubles. And I also bet that there are spots open for the Chaos in Arda event, which is another Lord of the Rings strategy battle game event that's going to be held there. And maybe you'll see us there too. So Nova open at the end of August. August 31st to September 4th is the, is the total convention. And it's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun, a lot of vendors. Labor Day weekend, right? Yeah, Labor Day weekend and the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday before. Anything, anything after that that you want to give a quick, uh, quick plug to? Uh, yeah, on the distant horizon is ArmorCon up here in the frozen north or the freezing north. It's actually quite warm up here right now. Anyway, up here in the north, ArmorCon. I'm not quite sure where it is. We'll get more information on that for the next episode. But 
It's just another two-day convention, and there is a grand tournament called the Paths of the Dead on the Sunday. Uh, the main gaming crew and I are going to be down there, so come join us. I think there's still a couple of spots open, although I believe there are like 15-plus players already committed. Mm. Um, You'll have to so, give me those details. Perhaps I will make the trek to you this time. Yeah, just a one-day event, but yeah, come on up. 800 points for three, three games. Uh, and what about you, Sam? You got anything looming on the horizon? Any games you're going to be playing? Well, like you, I will be attending the Nova Open in DC. Um, and that is my, my next event. But after that, I have a pretty exciting series of tournaments that I'm hoping to play at called To War. And it's an escalation tournament. So it's four of them. Alas, I will not be able to make the first one. But I believe at the final, the final tournament, you get bonus points you or you get some bonus in your final your final event for the for each other event you've attended and that is at your hobby place in fredericksburg maryland i believe which is so pretty local to me which is nice and the first one i will be able to attend is september the 17th which is a 500 point tournament so that'll be fun and then the next one is december 3rd and that's a 600 point tournament and then the final one is January January 21st. And that is the full 800 go. So that's, uh, that's going to be a few... You'll have a few episodes sprinkled throughout, listener, where we hear how I am escalating. Oh, that's super exciting. What's The one you're missing, is that 300 points? I believe so. And that's like... That's interesting. July 30th or something. It's right. It's the right at the end of this month. So if you can attend that, listener, you should absolutely check it out. But I, I don't know. Well, I'm not sure when this episode will actually release. So who knows? Who knows? Maybe it'll be in the past already. Ooh. Right. That's cool. That's super exciting. I'm a bit jealous. An escalation series of tournaments with a bonus at the end if you manage to catch all of them, but still open to anyone else. That's really that's really neat. Yeah. Like no, I'm I'm excited. Plus, you know, it's a another another three three events potentially so potential nine more games which is always good yeah gotta play more games right well i think listener we will leave you there look forward to in two weeks time hearing about the exciting conclusion to an unexpected tournament thank you for listening to gondor calls for ale we hope you have enjoyed this episode we at Gondor Calls for Ale are not associated with Games Workshop, New Line Cinema, or the Tolkien Estate. We hope we have not misrepresented or offended anyone. These recordings are strictly our recollections of games we've played and are not commentaries on the character or competence of our opponents. They are intended purely for entertainment and we hope they will be taken as such. You can find us on Instagram at Gondor underscore calls underscore for underscore ale. Feel free to send us a message there, or you can send us an email at gondorcallsforale at gmail.com. As Boromir, Captain of the White Tower, once said, remember the day, listener. Today, this episode was good.